Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Hello, Disruptors. Welcome back to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. I am your American hygienist host, Melissa Obradka. And I'm your Australian host, Tabitha. And we're very excited today to have one of my very good friends on here again, uh, Sarah Beach. Uh, Sarah Beach is an OHT from Australia. And so welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Tabitha and Melissa, (laughs) for having me. I'm very excited to be here. No, we're excited to have you. Totally excited to have you. I've gotten to become friendly with you via social media. So it's so nice to get to like see your face, even though our listeners can't see our faces, but I get to see your face and talk with you. So it's super excited, Sarah. Thank you for being with us. And so let's start with Sarah. Um, We're going to let the listeners kind of find out all about you and what you're doing now, but let's start with how did, Sarah's just finished high school. How did you find yourself getting into dental? Do you want the real story? Or? Yeah. <laughs> I was love the real dirty stuff. So, yeah, let's dive right into that. And it's it's quite interesting because in year 12, I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, I, I Apparently, when I was five years old, my mother said, I said I wanted to be a dentist. I do remember having a, a big fascination with the school dental vans that came around to the schools. I was one of those nerds that was excited, waiting for my turn, hoping I would need lots of fillings so that I could keep visiting the dental van because I found it to be such an intriguing place. I loved when they disclosed my teeth with with disclosing solution and taught me how to brush properly. I even made up a little chart when I was nine years old, writing down the date and the fillings that I had. So I obviously had a fascination in dental and healthcare, um, but it was a funny story because It was actually one day that I was away from year 12. I was off sick. I came back to school the next day and under my desk was a piece of paper on the floor that talked about dental therapy. And I said to my neighbour, I said, what was this about? And they said, oh, we had a dental therapist come in and speak with us yesterday. And I said, oh, is that those ladies from the dental van? And um, so anyway, it was basically, it was just a a, a pay slip or a pay guide. And I said, they get paid more than university degrees in their first year out. So that that was kind of the beginning of it. I actually got into law, but I also applied for dental therapy as well. And um, and I thought, oh, that seems like a much better option. You know, back then we were we were government owned and um, government trained, and um, and we basically graduated and only worked for the government. So I became one of those ladies that went and worked in the dental van. All right, so. For we've got a global listening base, and whilst I know 100% what the dental van is and what a dental therapist is, and I think Melissa, do you know what a dental therapist? Do you have you have dental therapy now? Don't you coming into America? We, very limited places, but yeah. yes, we do have dental therapy. But there'll be some countries that are listening because we do have a global audience. Yeah. <laughs> yes, which we love you. Thank you so well, much. The way it was explained to me was. Pediatric dentists are too expensive to put into the school, into the schools to treat children. So the government decided to take to, to take really nice, mostly females, um, and train us because apparently dentists can be uh, monkeys can be trained to do dentistry. These I'm just repeating what I was told, and um, so they basically taught us to do pediatric dentistry, and but just really. Um, so, so basically we were taught by dentists how to cut fillings. Um, so we do restorations, we do extractions, um, we do stainless steel crowns on deciduous teeth. And um, and so we, we basically um, adapted all the, the restorative techniques onto deciduous teeth and then we were given a scope. And back then it was from the age of four up until the age of 18 years of age, we could do all their examinations, x-rays, scales and cleans, fillings, extractions, and we basically went into the schools into the schools in our caravans, in our dental vans, and parents would just sign a permission slip 
and we could take the children out of the class and just do anything they needed. So, yeah, so it was very, very much, I guess, in a nutshell, paediatric dentistry, um, just general general sort of practice, I guess. Yeah. And then you worked in a government van for how long? For 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> and my and, and my dental assistant at the time had been an assistant for a dental therapist who'd gotten a job in Switzerland. So by by the sort of I was working with her and she said, Oh, Stephanie's leaving Switzerland, leaving her job in Switzerland. Do you know anyone who wants to take her dental hygiene job? And I said, Oh, so she's a dental therapist? Yes. Oh, well, I'll go and do it. Now you've got to remember they trained us to scale decidual like to, to scale children's teeth. So we were not perio trained. We were not hygiene trained by any stretch of the imagination. But in Switzerland, because of the curriculum that we'd done and because we did restorative work, they saw us as dentists. And they they so they would register a dental a dental therapist as a dental hygienist because they considered us to be, you know, overqualified. So I got to Switzerland. So after 12 months of working as a dental therapist here, moved to Zurich, Switzerland. I'd never been on an aeroplane before. And um, and I'll never forget, Stephanie came into the practice with me. She was the hygienist leaving and she said, all you need to remember is to make sure you go around every surface of every tooth and just go under the gums a bit. And um, and that was basically it was it was here I was working for the president of the Zurich Yacht Club, all high end clients, and I'm learning how to be a dental hygienist. And nobody wanted the cavatron in their mouth, so I had to learn it by hand as well. So um, you know, and and in my brain at the time, I thought, oh well, I've done restorative work. How difficult can it be? Until I started seeing my recalls and realizing I could go deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, and I have to say, after five years of doing that in Switzerland, I did become quite a good hygienist. <laughs> And then you came back to Australia. So so then um, I have to say after five years of mostly perio hygiene in Switzerland, um, I never wanted to look in another mouth again. I was done and dusted. I'm not a perio lover like you girls. I was done and dusted. And I actually, my fiancé at the time had gotten a posting to Singapore. So we actually moved to Singapore. And I was so happy to find out that dental therapists and dental hygienists didn't exist in Singapore at the time. And so I couldn't work in dental anymore. So I thought I'm going to pursue another dream. I'm going to become an event coordinator. So I actually did a degree in communication and media management. And I worked for a TV station over there with their event, you know, doing some work experience with their events. And I thought this is perfect. This is what I want to do. No more mouths. Only to eventually leave him, move back to Australia and find that event coordinators didn't get paid very well and there was all you know lots of people want to do that job but by that stage the um oral health therapy had had come into the universities and um and they offered us old dental therapists the opportunity to do an academic upgrade so I went back to university to become a dental hygienist <laughs> after practicing five years of dental hygiene in Switzerland um, which was a which was a great refresher course and um, you know it, it was and and there was a health um, promotion component so so as a dental as an oral health therapist you have the three sort of branches of dental um, dental hygiene, dental therapy, and health promotion. And so then after that, I went into private practice and I still went back to the government as well. So I kind of did a bit of hygiene, a bit of dental therapy, a bit of dental health promotion. And, um, yeah, so that's that's what I did then for a little while until I had children. And, um, and then we actually moved back to Singapore. And by that stage... Oral health therapy existed in Singapore, so this is over the span of you know uh, uh, you know twenty. I graduated dental therapy in nineteen ninety three, so we're talking over a span of twenty. You know, I can't even do that maths. It's a lot of years, <laughs> nearly thirty years. No, I don't, um, I don't like to say the years out loud. No, no, no. I always say twenty. I, I was still in high school. Stop. Um, so anyway, <laughs> still in high school. <laughs> Singapore. And by that stage, I had two small children and my husband was working in the bank over there and I went to this 
um, big expat dental practice with with my seven-month-old and my two-year-old, and I said, I want to work here as an oral health therapist. And and I'll never forget the general manager looked at me and said, but what are you going to do with them? And uh, I said, I don't know, I'll work that out. And and I was actually the first foreign trained oral health therapist registered in Singapore. Um, and, yeah, so I went on to, to do three years of private practice in Singapore and I, and I also did another university degree while I was doing that. You can see you see the theme here, like Tabitha, the the the, um, the need to just keep layering things when you get bored. And um, but yeah, I was fortunate when I was in. So I, so I ended up spending ten years overseas altogether. All so five years in Singapore, five years in Switzerland. So it gave me a really good feel of not just dentistry in Australia, but dentistry internationally. And it really, I worked in every specialty throughout that process. I, I worked in ortho, perio, endo, every, every sort of specialty. Um, and then I got bored again. So after the third degree, um, I said to my husband, do you still want that third child? I thought the, the third child can be, you know, my next project. And, um, and we moved back to Australia and I took a break of a couple of years off dentistry altogether and um and then I went back to to work in a um in a private practice that focused on phrenectomies so the idea was that I would come in and I would take over her patient load so she could focus on doing the phrenectomy surgeries and um but by doing that I then became one of the first myofunctional therapists in Australia. So, so then it started me on a whole new journey of studying orofacial myofunctional therapy through one of your your guys over or ladies over there, Melissa, Sandra Colson. Have you heard of Sandra Colson? I am just starting to research this because it's something that, like you ladies, I wanna do and get certified in. Yep. Um, so I've been, I don't know of Sandra Colson personally at this point, but I've been researching different myofunctional therapists and who I, who I'm going to get into and do this training with. So I'm glad you mentioned Sandra. Yes. Sandra, hello. If you listen, I'm going to be reaching out to you. <laughs> well, Sandra Colson is actually a speech and language pathologist. So there's, she was one of the original, she was actually one of the founding members of the International Association of Orofacial Myology in America, which, by the way, has its 50th um, anniversary this year. And um, wow. so they're having their jubilee. And um, and I've been invited to speak at that conference in, in America. Bravo. So, um, yeah, the, the 22nd to the 24th of October. And, um, yeah, so, no, we're t Tim King and I, Tim, who I do the courses with, yeah, we're hugely honoured to be to be invited to that it's 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 yeah an extreme honor to be invited to that but um yeah so sandy colson was where i got started she actually came out to australia and taught a, a bunch of us and and i'll never forget sitting there thinking why am i learning this when am i ever going to use this this is cr like it, it was it was just mind-blowing because it was so different to you know drilling and filling and perio and and all the rest of it and um, I'll never forget at the end of that first day, it was a four-day course. At the end of that first day, all the pennies dropped. And I went, oh, my goodness, it all makes sense now. It all makes sense because function and structure, you know, they affect each other. And that's why you can't take retainers, you know, fix retainers off teeth. And that's why, you know, just so many things that for so many years had made no sense to me in dentistry and malocclusions and, and, and everything finally made sense. And um, so once you learn, this is the, the exciting thing, Melissa, is once you learn about how muscle dysfunction creates our faces and creates all these, you know, myofunctional disorders and how you can, you know, you can um, fix those things or early intervention can really prevent a lot of those things. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. So I went on this whole new journey 
of looking again once again I was ex- it was the first time actually in many years I'd been excited about dentistry again and um and and I have to say that was in probably 2014 and I haven't stopped being excited since so it is definitely worthwhile it's definitely you know it, it's it's um it's really mind-blowing to do the study and then to be able to apply it, and and like I said, I was working in one of Australia's biggest phrenectomy clinics, so I got to to really apply the the practice of it immediately. Um, yeah, around pre and post um, phrenectomy treatment. So yeah, so then then began another whole journey of, you know, the, the the dental instruments started to go down and the myofunctional therapy really started to take over. And, um, and I was doing, you know, thumb-sucking cessation programs for two-year-olds, which, by the way, I would not recommend. Um, <laughs> these were the cases that were being referred to me. And as you know, when you're the hygienist or the OHT and the practice you do as you're told. So here's a two-year-old, Sarah, stop it sucking its thumb. Here's a, you know, a a 69-year-old woman who's having trouble eating her hamburgers, fix her swallow. Um, You know, it was, it was, you know, imagine if someone said that to you, Melissa, you'd just look at them and go, are you kidding me? But what I found being pushed and pushed and pushed into a really uncomfortable space, um, you know, I, I got to learn a lot and I got to see how impactful these myofunctional therapy programs were. At first, I thought it's a bit of a, uh, it's a bit gimmicky, a bit, mm, um, but because I had such a full caseload of highly made, motivated patients because they wanted to have a phrenectomy or they wanted their child to have a phrenectomy, they were motivated. So the results I got were phenomenal. And we were just, I was just mind blown every day, mind blown at, at how much of an impact this, this could have on not only their function, but on their lives, you know? That's the piece that I am so interested in. Like I'm just scratching the surface with my knowledge base on this, but like from what I'm understanding and please correct me if I'm wrong is that like with with these different exercises and restoring proper musculature and positioning and and function, you can help reduce people's like allergy responses and and just like they're it really make, as you said, a big impact on their day-to-day lives. Can you like share with us a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's it's huge. And and what I learned to do was start to record people's testimonies because you wouldn't believe it if I told you. So for, for example, you know, with the children, I think you see structural changes. You you see them over the course of of a couple of months, you actually see, you know, open bites close. You see malocclusions. Just, it, it's it's incredible how because they're quite plasticine. You know, they're like plasticine, and with proper tongue placement, with correct swallow, it, it just changes their bites phenomenally. So yeah, um, you you teach them how to nose breathe. So obviously you can't just tell someone to nose breathe. There's a whole component to that. So they may need to go to the ENT. They might need to have tonsils and adenoids removed, but then you've got to retrain that breathing. Um, And um, yeah, but, but what I started to really notice in the adult clientele, so at first we were, they were focusing on infants. And then when I came in, it was all the children and the teenagers trying to get structure better to, to save orthodontic issues down the track. But we started to get this caseload of adults who had never found a solution for their chronic headaches, for their neck pain, back pain, jaw pain, um, really bizarre things they would present with. And they'd do their research and they'd go, oh, it must be because I've got a tongue tie. Okay, so they came to this clinic because they wanted a phrenectomy. But in doing so, I, I would do the assessment. Um, the, the dentist would say, yep, you've got a tongue tie, you need surgery, but we won't do the surgery until you get your function correct. So I would then do three or four weeks of myofunctional, intense myofunctional therapy. So what that would mean was each week they would come and see me, I would give them new exercises to do with the, the tongue, the lips, the cheeks, some postural exercises, and just get everything coordinating well. 
and it's incredible how you can really get tongue strength um, up in such a short space of time. But anyway, I would prepare them for the surgery. They would have the surgery and all these miraculous things would happen and then I'd rehabilitate them. So uh, a, 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 an analogy I would use is, you know, if you had webbed fingers and you could only move your fingers, you know, that top section of your fingers your whole life and then someone said, okay, well, we're going to cut all the webbing and then you're going to move your fingers. Well, you, you if you just went in and cut all the webbing, you wouldn't automatically, you know, have strength and function. So what you'd have to do is just start start doing strength exercises, you know, start getting the the the, the brain finger connection happening. And so after a few weeks, then cut the webbing and then continue that. So so that's the premise, you know, around the phrenectomy side of things. But what I observed was uh, probably 50% of the patients coming in for phrenectomies, I or probably more actually, I observed they didn't need the phrenectomy. They would get strength and function happening and all their symptoms would start to disappear, but they were hell-bent on getting that phrenectomy, so they'd still go through with it. So I got to, it was like, you know, working in a laboratory because I got to see what people who did need phrenectomies and who didn't need phrenectomies but still wanted them see the result. And I would have TMD patients who needed back surgery as well who would suddenly not need back surgery anymore and their TMD and their headaches will disappear. And I thought, well, this is this is crazy <laughs> because I'm teaching them exercises with their tongue and, you know, they're getting cut under the tongue and how can that fix, you know, their back? And um, and I guess that's where I started to go on this journey to, to really look outside. You know, I learned everything that I could learn about phrenectomies and tongue ties, but I thought, and that was that was pitched as the as the king, but I thought it's actually the myofunctional therapy that's the king. And the phrenectomy is just the, the icing on the cake. It's just one part of it. So, and, and this is the shift I'm seeing in the whole profession out there. It has been a big shift towards everyone needs a phrenectomy to now, okay, no, there's only a certain number of people that need a phrenectomy. It's the myofunctional therapy that's making the difference. So getting people to breathe better, to, to swallow better, to just to, to function better. It's, um, it's, yeah, it's quite phenomenal. So besides, um, I'm sorry, Tabitha, I know you have a question too. Besides like headache, back pain, things like that, what are some other like systemic changes that patients can have as a result of myofunctional therapy? So quite often, okay, so where I'm at now is, is I'm working with an, with two oral and maxillofacial surgeons. So I've gone from working with the general patients to now working specifically with TMD patients or post-orthognathic surgery patients. And so what a classic TMD patient will present with um, will be they will usually have a high level of anxiety they will usually have a lot of breathing dysfunction. They will always have, you know, muscle tenderness, muscle pain. They usually have sleep issues. <laughs> they um, also, um, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of things to, to address and the myofunctional therapy covers the breathing and the muscle retraining. But, but um, added to that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of therapeutic alliance. Obviously, with myofunctional therapy, seeing these patients so regularly, you really become their healthcare provider. You become their person and there's, there's so much recovery that happens through that therapeutic alliance. So, sorry, I've gone off track there. <laughs> um, but, I love that. Yeah, That's but it, it's, it's, it's pure myofunctional therapy is a neuromuscular retraining of the orofacial complex. Um, but yeah, breathing is certainly part of that, sending them to an ENT, talking about sleep. I guess I've taken it to another level where myofunctional therapy is 
is one part of how I treat these TMD patients. So I've added a whole heap of other things into it, um, which are certainly components that are discussed during my functional therapy. But yeah, but it's a really, it's a big journey to to um, to really see it from a bird's eye view, I guess. That's amazing. Such an important thing though. I used to work in a um, TMD clinic years ago before I went down the perio path, but I did my functional therapy and did a lot of TMD pain courses as well, which Sarah and I have been to so many courses of the same that we can't believe we didn't meet each other earlier in life because I think we were like sitting next to each other for 10 years. (laughs) But I remember a patient coming in to us one day and he said, I've tried everything. You're the last shot. I'm going to kill myself if this doesn't work. And he was not joking. Yeah. Like he was just straight out, I've been in chronic pain for Mm -hmm. 10 years. No one has helped me. And if you guys don't fix it, I'm actually going to kill myself. And I remember like nearly vomiting in my mouth because I'm like, Mm -hmm. wow, it's a responsibility right now. And um, obviously he's been treated mainly under the dentist and I was helping with some myofunctional stuff and I was doing some, um, like we are doing some laser therapy of his TMD as well and he had an appliance made. And um, he was a pretty angry guy. Like he used to yell at me um, a lot. I think he made me cry a couple of times. Um, you know, I was only in my 20s then too, so I wasn't like as strong. Like now I'd be like, whatever, dude. Like, you know, like I was a bit like, oh, my God, he's going to make me cry again. Mm-hmm. And I think we're about three, four months into treatment and he walked in smiling and I remember thinking, God, is he taking drugs today? Because, <laughs> you know, like he was just such a reason. But I was still scared because I was like, oh, like, is he now a smiling assassin? Like what's yeah. going to happen? Like, and he's like, hi. And I'm like, hi. <laughs> I'm not in pain. I'm going back to work for the first time in 12 years. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's excellent. And, like, he was just like, I am so happy because he wasn't even working. He was in mm. so much pain with his migraines mm. and everything like that. And then a couple of months later he said to my boss and I, he goes, like, I'm honestly, like, I, you've saved my life. I'm, I was honestly going to kill myself. Mm. And, you know, so that's why I think like roles that you're doing, Sarah, are so important because those patients, those pain patients really are at their limits. And, you know, I have a couple of examples like that, but you're seeing that all day, every day, like, and they're not rare patients, unfortunately. Um, That's that's a really sad thing is that's not like a a really rare thing. If you're working in that realm, it's an all day thing and Mm you know, the way it affect chronic pain affects people's mental health is mm-hmm. just huge. Yeah. Huge. And, then, and see, for me, that's really exciting. Listening to those stories is really exciting because, again, as just, you know, when I was just an oral health therapist starting out in this myofunctional area, I thought, why am I getting all the, and in inverted commas, all the crazies coming to me, you know, they were all the crazy ones, you know, the ones in the dental clinic that you can never help, that you just go, oh, she said she's got a toothache, but there's nothing wrong with the tooth. Oh, she must be a little bit mm, in the head. And I became, uh, instead of being that kind of dental practitioner, I started to actually throw myself into the research and started to learn some pain science. Pain pain science is very different to 20 years ago. Pain science, if you haven't learnt pain science in the last five to seven years, you don't know anything about pain. It's very different. We now know it's an output from the brain, not to the brain. There's just, there's so much about it. And there's, you know, the the spectrum of pain from acute presentations and chronic and, you know, and then into the complex. So I see all the complex ones. I love the complex patients. By the time they get to a complex pain patient is an acute pain patient wondering what went wrong. They weren't treated in that first few months with their, you know, they'd gone and had a filling done and their mouth was open too long and they had muscular spasm and then, you know, and, and, you know, it never got right and then it became chronic and then it became complex and, you know, nobody could help them from that one dental visit. And, And I have to say, as dental practitioners, we are very responsible for a lot of TMD cases out there. We have so much to, to be accountable for and we bury our head in the sand. We just go, no, that's someone else's problem, but we're actually causing, you know, or, or you know, 
the straw that breaks the camel's back, you know, that, that one thing that just tips them over the edge. But yeah, so, so TMD becomes, it becomes, and I didn't even understand, you know, I just thought TMJ or that, sounds like someone else's problem tmd um but yeah i didn't understand the the complexity but actually the simplicity of it all and um when you start to delve into you know the, the different types of of tmd and and you know how to different how to assess it how to differentiate differentially diagnose it and then how to treat it so i'm seeing these cases now at the max facts people who've had tmd for 20 years who have been down that road, Tabitha, or they're just at the end of their tether. They're awful. Some of them are awful people. They're cranky. They're rude. They're just, they don't sleep properly. The bag's under their eyes. And I'm telling you, I've now got it down to, I've now finally tuned it that within three weeks or three sessions, I'm, I'm getting, and these people, they don't even want to say that they're getting better because they're so used to being miserable. And um, I had one gentleman recently, he's 72, and he's actually got a fully fused, um, his TMJ is fully ankylosed on one side. So, wow. yeah, so, and he's, and he's too elderly and he's got heart problems to have, um, you know, to have surgery done. So basically we're just trying to keep him functioning. And, um, and so he's been in a lot of pain. And, yeah, within three sessions he said, you know, he came in one day and I said, how are you going today? And he said, I'm disturbingly well. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I said, well, that's a good thing. And he goes, I know, I don't know what to do with it. He said, well, actually nothing to complain about. And it had been his story for so long. And, but, but you know, during that, that, that time that I'd seen him every couple of weeks, so it's over the course of maybe six, six weeks or so, but, you know, we'd looked at his sleep. We'd send him for a sleep study. I'd taught him how to breathe properly. I'd taught him some, you know, exercises. I'd taught him how to swallow properly. I'd spent time with him and listened to him. And, and this is one of the really beautiful things about this space is if you listen to the patient, they'll tell you the diagnosis. You will hear all sorts of stories that some people don't want to hear. You know, I've got one lady, you know, her, her son was killed at 14. You know, her daughter was in this terrible car accident. She's still so angry from, from this accident that happened 20 years ago. And, you know, and, and, you know, within a couple of weeks, she's breathing and she's laughing in the appointments because someone's giving her care, attention, listening to her, not fobbing her off, giving her strategies. And it's life changing. And it's just, it's, it's, it's uh, you know it's it's great it's it's even more wonderful to see these maxillofacial surgeons minds getting blown you know every day and just going i don't you're a magician how do you do it and and none of it's rocket science but it's it's you know it it's you need to learn it so, so like a few things are going through my mind as you're sharing this which number one like sign me up yesterday i don't care how i have to pay for this like i need to i need to do this that's first and foremost <laughs> Um, it's, it's definitely been in the back of my mind for a bit. Cause I'm like, I keep on saying, I need to know more about this. I need to know more about this because it's so aligned with the way I want to treat my patients. It's, it's looking for that root cause and yep. going there and not just treating symptoms all day long. And I've been starting to say that to my patients when we talk about night guards, listen, we could do this for you, but it's really just treating a symptom. It's not actually digging into why are you clenching your teeth and, and why is this happening? Yeah. So, um, like that was my first thing. But then that when you were just speaking of that last example with the woman who lost her child in an accident, it made me think that that trauma, like Absolutely. trauma gets into the body and it manifests itself in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we can, we can cause and trigger these TMD events. Cause when you were also sharing that, I'm thinking, yeah, how many times are we cranky on the other side of this, trying to treat somebody you're like, open your mouth, open wider, wider, wider. And we're in the midst of like, doing this to somebody and we have no idea we're just pissy because we can't see and I'm trying to get my job done and I have to get it done in this amount of time and you're slowing me down so it's like a different way to kind of look at it and think wait hold up mm. I have to do this for you it's therapy I know I'm healing and helping you but so maybe we have to adjust our approach a little bit yeah. you know maybe we need to be very much more cognizant of what we're doing while we're trying to treat them so those are just a couple of things that were popping yeah. in my mind while you were so i i think the first thing is you always need to treat the person not the condition yeah. and i think that that's really that's that's 
when I'm with these patients, that's all I'm thinking is treat the person, not the condition. And if you get to the root cause and, and you should never be scared. Like I say, these patients are put in the crazy basket. They've had 20 years of, of every therapy that exists. They end up at the MaxFax saying, I think you need to do surgery because nobody can fix me. And the MaxFax says, well, uh, they, their statistics are 5% of these presentations need surgery. The other 95%, they're saying, go away and have conservative care. And that's when these patients want to kill themselves because they say, well, I've had conservative care for 20 years. Nobody has fixed me. And the reason is because nobody understands it very well. Because like I say, science has changed, things have changed. And as healthcare providers, we've always been, you know, in our little little rabbit holes going, well, that's not my problem. Go and see someone else. And then they say, that's not my problem. And that's what I discovered through this course of, of working in that phrenectomy cl clinic with these pain patients I was finding, I'm sending them off to body workers because you do the myofunctional therapy, but you also encourage them to go and see an osteopath, a chiropractor, some sort of body, wo body worker because the body's connected. And patients started to, to come back to me saying, well, hang on, no, what you're doing is helping me more because I'd started to learn, I'd started to do some craniosacral therapy, I'd started to just gather information from, I had actually one of your physical therapists from the US, Walt Fritz, he came out to Australia and he was the closest thing I could find to, to what I needed to do some muscular releases because I thought, hang on, if these patients are in pain and I'm trying to get them to do physical activities and they're in pain, how are they going to do that without some kind of support you know if you've got a sore knee you don't just say go and run a marathon you need some physical therapy as well as the rehab but I found that nobody wanted to put their fingers in people's mouths <laughs> so then I started to some, learn some techniques and I honestly didn't know what I was doing I'm like rubbing a masseter I'm like rubbing the neck and I always found with these pain patients this muscle in their neck, which I learnt was the, the the sternocleidomastoid, I was like, whenever I rub that, their headaches go away. And I just started to gather momentum on these things. And I was using, I was doing low level laser therapy. I was just throwing everything at it. Um, and and I and I was looking for body workers who knew what they were doing in this space. And I found they didn't exist. And then one day up popped Timothy King on Facebook having this, this body worker course and I called him and I said, hey, do you know what to do in the mouth and around the mouth? And, he, and, and, and we started this dialogue and he said, look, I can solve headaches really quickly. I can do all this other stuff. How about you teach me what you know? I'll teach you what I know and let's see if we can start to put, you know, start to work this out. And it was purely just as two clinicians. He lives 2,000 miles away from me. So it was it was all over, over the phone or over the internet. I would video my patients and I would say to him, look, they've got this pain here. They're doing this. What do I do? He'd say, okay, try this. So we started to collaborate. He started coming to all the tongue-tie conferences, to all the myofunctional therapy conferences. Um, I started to do more body work courses. And, and eventually over the years, we kind of worked out this system of, oh, when I do this in, in conjunction with this, it really gives good results. But then I became frustrated because I started to nail these patients. I started to work out a really good pattern, but I couldn't get rid of them. They wanted to come back to me because I'd say, okay, go and see a body worker now and ask them to do that same thing. And um, and and again, there wasn't weren't many people trained. So I said to Tim, we're going to have to teach people this stuff because we, there's only you and me. And if we've cracked it, then, and it's not rocket science, we should teach other people. So we collaborated and we actually designed a course called Fast and Functional, um, focusing on TMD and orofacial pain. And, um, and we took it around Australia and then we took it over to the US and, um, and we were training TMD dentists in the US <laughs> How to how to do out how to use our approach? Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Breathe Institute over there. There's they've yes. yep. So we're part of their faculty as well. So we collaborate with them as well in delivering this part of the myofunctional therapy with the TMD. Um, 
part of that. Um, and um, yeah, and then COVID hit and we went online. And so now we've got practitioners all over the world learning our online course. It's eight hours of content and it basically goes through that whole process of, of, of looking at anxiety, looking at sleep, looking at tongue posture, looking at myofunctional therapy, learning how to do the releases for the muscles of mastication. And the, the beauty of Tim's technique, he's, he's got this technique in body work that's really fast and it's functionally driven. So it all just aligns beautifully with, with um, you know, with myofunctional therapy. It sits beautifully in our scope of practice as dental hygienists. And um, so we're able to assess and treat during a dental examination these patients and, um, and then, you know, grow from there. So, um, yeah, so that's... One fun fact, Sarah's actually given me uh, intraoral muscle release with a shower cap over her hand in our pajamas in a hotel room together. <laughs> yes, we didn't have gloves, so it was a shower cap. I, I had a really bad headache and had been in pain for days. And she goes, All right, I'll improvise. And she got a shower cap over her hand and she gave me an adjustment while we're in our PJs in front of the telly in a hotel room in, in Hobart. So I just thought I'd give everyone that random fact about Sarah and I. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to kind of point out to people, um, Sarah and I were talking about this case the other day. So i am uh, done a lot of training in this field as well, but I, don't, I haven't gone into that field with Sarah. And so there might be people listening today in their car or in the kitchen where they're on there thinking, oh, I'm a perio-hygienist or I'm an ortho-hygienist or I'm this, so this doesn't apply to me. But I actually use these skills in my perio and implant practice very regularly and so whilst you may not go down the road of Sarah into a real pain management and using this full time, there's still really good skills to put into everyday general or ortho or perio practice, whatever you're doing. Um, for me, when I've got patients in all on four, especially Bimax cases, they don't know how to use their tongue anymore. They don't know how to use their lips. They don't know how to posture. So I've used all the skills I learned when I became an oral um, myologist with my implant patients. So that... but. One thing where I really had a good case the other day and Sarah and I were talking about it was I had a patient that came to me. He's only in his 30s, really super fit. He's in the Defence Force, super healthy, like really focused on what he eats, how he does things. All this anyway, he lost his – so we've got international – so I'm not going to – so it, we call it 2-6 in Australia, but it would be your first upper left-hand molar. 14. Melissa. 14. Number 14. <laughs> Number 14. Um, he'd lost that. For some reason, he had no perio in his mouth, but he just got perio on that one tooth. It, they just put it down to maybe, you know, they didn't know what. He was with another practice then. He got an implant place. The implant failed. Mm. They put a bridge in. Then all of a sudden, he's got a furcation on the 3-6. Then he's got a furcation on the 4-6, so lower first molars I don't know what you call these now on like in the um quadrant three and 19 four 19 and 30 19 and 30. 30 everyone our translator is working hard <laughs> <laughs> and so um I saw him and I was looking in his mouth you know because he's been sent to me because he's like I don't want to lose another tooth why is this happening his oral hygiene is amazing and I said to him but there was wear on his teeth. And I said, I actually think you're getting these pockets from your grinding. You're putting so much pressure. You're damaging the periodontal ligament. You're weakening that seal, making it more um, available for bacteria to then to enter. And therefore, we're, like this is all connected. This isn't actually about biofilm in your mouth. This is about this. So I asked him some questions. I'm like, how do you sleep? Terrible. Mm. Oh, what? Like, so do you wake feeling tired? Yeah. Do you wake up at night? Yeah. And we're asking all these things. Do you get headaches all the time? And then I started feeling around, is it sore here? Is it sore here? You know, at the touch points that you know, yep, yep, yep. So I sent him off for a sleep study and he has sleep apnea, mm. severe sleep apnea, and he's now on a CPAP. Guess where his pockets are going? Boom, boom, boom. Just reducing and we're just getting all this repair. But when he was in this active, you know, moment, so for me, that having that knowledge and being able to, so whilst I don't use it to the level that Sarah uses it and I'm not helping patients on that level all the time like she is, 
it still helps me treat a patient holistically and whole body. And if I hadn't had that background of learning those courses and taking it in, and I wouldn't be able to then look at that patient, like Sarah said, as a person and the whole body and what's going on. Instead, I might have just been there trying to scale and scale and scale and scale and scale. Yeah. But sometimes we actually have to put our scalers down. Mm. Yeah, and, and that, my friends, is a healthcare hygienist. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And and I still, you know, I still work in private general, like general practice as well. Yeah. So I still see the regular dental patients. I also have a teeth teeth whitening studio, so I do teeth whitening for my downtime, and um, and I also represent Light Scalpel um, CO two lasers. That's a US US laser company. So I'm the representative here because it's the optimal tool for doing phrenectomies. So and yeah, so so I wear lots of different hats. And so I'm still seeing patients in all those different capacities, but exactly as Tabitha says, to be able to look at my general patients and talk to the, you know, I'm the first, we're the first ones that are identifying sleep apnea in these patients. We're the first yeah. ones, you know, I had a little five-year-old girl in the other day and the mum says, oh, her breath stinks. Can you clean her teeth and tell me why her breath stinks so much? And I said, first of all, I said to the mum, let's not use that language. Um, second of all, you know, because it's not her fault. And and um, anyway, I look in her mouth, her tonsils are kissing. She had no airway space at all. And I said to the mum, has she seen an ENT? And she goes, oh, yeah, she's had grommets twice. And I said, did he look in her throat? And she goes, oh, I don't know. And I said, well, she's got these monstrous, and that's where the smell was coming from. She just had these huge tonsils, never gets tonsillitis, so no one's ever done anything about it. Does she snore? Oh, like a train. So anyway, so I've now given the mum the skills, the knowledge, the, the education, the photographs, told her to take video, all the rest of it. But now that's going to change that little girl's life. Yeah. So if yeah. I hadn't been trained in everything I've been trained in, if we weren't healthcare providers or detectives, you know, again, it would have just been another blind look and, and um, you know, just brush your teeth. I don't know. I, I shudder yeah. to how many people in the past I've just overlooked all of those things. You know what, though, you're doing better now and you learned from that. So, I mean, I've made so many mistakes yeah. in my career and the way that I've treated patients, Tabitha and I have been open and, and yeah. vulnerable and shared that multiple times on this podcast. Mm -hmm. So I don't think we, you know, we can't beat ourselves up for what we didn't know. You don't know what you don't know, but when you know better, you do better. And that's what you have done, Sarah. So bravo mm -hmm. to you. Yep, it's yeah. amazing. And uh, you changed that little girl's life. Like yep. that's now she's going to go down a different road mm. and not suffer and struggle because of your care, which is tremendous. Well, and, and that is why I, I said to the mom, I said to the little girl, it's not you that stinks. It's your tonsils. <laughs> so whenever mommy says you smell, tell her it's your tonsils. It's not me, mom. It's my tonsils. I thought she's going to grow up with a complex, the poor child. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I think the biggest probably takeaway from my whole career is when you get patients who are crazy or who are difficult, stop and listen because yeah. there's always a story and they're the ones that need it the most. They're the ones that actually need your care and your attention um, more than anything. So, you know, be nice to them. <laughs> And, I love that. Um, yeah, That's, people usually so aren't true. crazy for no reason. What's that? <laughs> right? People aren't crazy for no reason. Like there's a reason there's going. Always on a reason. Yeah, and it's there's beautiful. always a root cause. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, beautiful to break through those boundaries and to change their lives. And that's that's what I see myself doing now. That's why I'm so excited to get out of bed and so passionate about my work because it's life-changing. It's not just drilling and filling a cavity. That's boring. You can train a monkey to do that. This is life-changing healthcare, you know, work. This is saving lives. This is stopping people from suiciding. This is allowing them to function and integrate back into to society. To, allows them to go to work again. Allows them to, to you know, to to be able to kiss their grandchildren again. You know, there's just this. It's incredible. And there's amazing. great studies as well for people when we're looking at airway specifically too with um, children's behaviour with links oh. with ADHD, yep. with their academic success, mm -hmm. um, with lots of different things like that. So it really can 
be the difference by picking up those tonsils that are touching and that child having something done by that and then having an airway that works. That can be the difference between that kid maybe going off the rails and, or having like a really successful life, to be honest. Yeah. Like. yeah. Well, you just need to Google finding Connor Deegan on YouTube. Yeah. That's a that's a story about an airway issue that caused yeah. behavioural issues. That once that was resolved, he turned into a different child, and it was literally saving his life. So, um, yeah, really and good. I think the the other thing is because of the pandemic, there's a lot more people suffering TMD. It's becoming an epidemic. It is something that is going to affect every single dental practitioner out there and if you don't have the skills in how to assess it how to diagnose or how to manage it or who to refer to or where to even start with referrals don't think it's not your problem because I can tell you everyone thinks it's not their problem start making it your problem start changing lives start really taking notice of these things because I can tell you it's not rocket science to treat. It's actually a really simple formula, but you don't know what you don't know. So, yeah, get educated. I think that was a really good point, Sarah, is that you don't have to go out and maybe have learnt to the level that you've learnt. Like, but what you should know is the basics yeah. and who to refer to. Exactly. And I think Recognize that's it. really important. It's like I can't fix cardiovascular disease, yes. but I know that there's a link between perio and my patient's taking medication. I should write to that person. It's about understanding 100% flag. You know, so one thing you can take away from this tonsils that are enlarged are not normal no matter what the age is. Yep. That needs right. to be. is not normal no matter what the age, what is. The age is. Yeah. So things like that, it's important to have those conversations with our patients. And, you know, especially when if you are working in general and you're seeing kids all the times, you are maybe the only person that ever looks in their mouth. Yeah. Because yeah. they may not be going to the GP that often. And when, even when they do, I can put a lot of money on it that they don't look in their no. mouth. No, no. And, 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 you know, the, the other great thing about TMD is, like I said, there's a spectrum. There's some people, you know, one of the earlier cases I saw at the Max Facts, this woman, beautiful, she, be she looked like you, Melissa, beautiful woman, and just like, you know, just in the prime of her life. And she's been crying herself to sleep every single night for the past 12 months. I think it was ever since she had a dental visit. And because of the pain, couldn't stand the pain. She's had Botox several times in the in the masseters, didn't fix it. You know, just beside herself. You know, she's dripping in her Louis Vuitton and her boob job, and like she's just, you know, she's got this ideal life, but she's so miserable. Miserable. And I saw her for one visit. I did one lot of these releases that take less than five minutes. We saw her two weeks later. She walked in and from the waiting room she saw me and she said, you, you saved my life. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, my pain is gone. You touched my pain and it went. I'm perfect again. And it was incredible. You know, we still follow her up with phone calls saying, um, you know, you can come back in any time. She's like, no, I'm perfect. But she had been crying herself to sleep every night for 12 months and one visit, one lot of releases, and she was done. She's perfect again. She was also educated to know that, you know, if she doesn't do some myofunctional retraining, it will come back and it will come back harder. But she knows where to come now and then she'll do the work. That's the other thing with TMD patients. Until they get to the point where they want to kill themselves, they don't want to put the work in. They want you to fix it. But, yeah, so I've got that combination of people who just fix me and I'll go away and then the others who go, wow, no, I really need to put in the work. And they do and they achieve amazing results. I've got one 75-year-old woman at the moment, her opening, she came in with, she she couldn't close. She, she had pain on closing. Her opening, she still had a decent opening. I think it was about 45 mil, the opening, um, which is a fairly normal opening. <laughs> I saw her, I've seen her twice and she can open to 70 mils now, which is freakishly abnormal. But at 75, she said, don't you dare show those pictures to anyone. 75 mils and no pain. You know, two visits and and this is the woman with the children that have had accidents and all the rest of it. But yeah, sleeping beautifully now, can breathe through her nose. Um, yeah, phenomenal. 
This has just been so phenomenal learning from you, Sarah. Thank you so much for sharing your whole story and, and just what you're doing is so amazing. And for all of the hygienists out there that are feeling frustrated and burnt out, and especially here in the U.S., because we have a lot less freedom here than you guys do in Australia, you know, this is an avenue you can look to. This is something that you know, you have to check in your jurisdiction with practice acts and such, but see and investigate what you could possibly be doing as a myofunctional therapist, maybe, you know, staying in dental hygiene or outside. There's so many different options, but do your homework and see if it's something. And if at, at the very least, that knowledge you bring to your patients and you can impact and save and change their lives in a more meaningful way than you are right now. Yeah. And that's what can like set your hair back on fire again. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. what we need, you know? Absolutely. So so can I just give a plug? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we were going to ask you to share <laughs> with us. We're actually going to do a webinar for New York time on the 23rd. Yes. On the yes. 23rd of September at 8.30 p.m. EDT. Um, Tim and I will be giving a free webinar on on what we teach in our fast and functional program. So we will be giving you clinical skills to assess and diagnose TMD. So it's just an overview, but you'll take away from that. At least you'll learn a little bit about acute pain, chronic pain, complex pain, and how to ensure that you assess them and diagnose them properly or triage and refer off. So, so what we do, we like I said, we've got that online course, but we run free webinars every month or every few weeks um, and, you know, deliver that content to the audience. And then if you're interested, you, you can sign up for our online course. If you've not if not, you've still gone away with some knowledge. So it's a it's a really exciting space. Does someone need to go through their myo training prior to taking your course? Or no. can can you just jump Any, right in? Anyone. Okay. We have trained chiropractors, osteopaths, dentists, um, prosthodontists, you know, even it, IBCLCs. Um, yeah, we've we've trained it's for healthcare professionals. Um, awesome. so it's it's really anyone with with a healthcare, you know, we assume a lot of, you know, a study of anatomy prior to this, but anyone, speech pathologist, speech and language pathologists, of course, the orofacial myologists um, are taking this as, as part of their training now, the, the fast and functional course, um, because TMD is such a, such a big part of, of um, my functional disorders. So um, yeah, no, anyone can do it. That's amazing. And we'll definitely add that in our show notes. But how do our listeners get in touch with you, Sarah, to learn more and, and possibly sign up for your course? Yeah, well, on Instagram, I, I don't have a big presence on Instagram. I've only just started on there, but it's sarah.beach.oht. Um, otherwise, on Facebook, I'm publicly available on Facebook, Sarah Beach, B-A-C-H. Um, and I'm happy for people to message me, contact me. I'm talking to people all over the world all the time. <laughs> helping them as much as I can. And um, yeah, so otherwise fastandfunctional.com um, is is where we run those those programs and um, and we can link that into the notes. And you can have a look at that. And there's some snippets of, of people we've trained in the US, people we've trained in Australia, the feedback we've gotten. And um, yeah, it's really exciting. And Tim and I are two clinicians we're not academics we're two clinicians out there just trying to make things a bit better and and we're practicing every day we're fine-tuning our skills and we're just sharing that knowledge that's awesome thank you so much for taking the time to share with our listeners about your journey and just for what you do every day thank you for doing it thank you for sharing it and thank you for elevating our profession i i just i think you're amazing well, no. thank you. Thank, thank I think you. both of you are amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's exciting. I think anyone who is bored, like I've been very many, as you can see, very many times I've turned away from the profession only to come back and and now I'm excited. Now, I since I studied my functional therapy and went down this pathway, um, it's a really exciting pathway to, to, to add to your career. Absolutely. Oh, and so, so if you're wanting to learn about myofunctional therapy, <laughs> um, Angie Lehman is a myofunctional therapist in the States. Um, it's called OMT of York. I think she's in Pennsylvania. 
but she is oh, that's not that far from me yeah, i love her um she doesn't run i don't know if she runs my functional therapy courses but she's my go-to she's she's my guru of my functional therapy in the dental hygiene world so okay. she might even be it might be great to get her on your show angie lehman i'm coming for you yeah <laughs> watch out <laughs> and we'll tag you sarah on facebook and instagram so um, if you go to our pages, you'll be able to find Sarah, a picture of her, a tag to her, and, and we'll have some details so that you can get all of that stuff yeah. really And please well. reach out. I love talking to people. I love, yeah, sharing these experiences with people. So, Absolutely. Thank you, listeners, for listening to us again and, and joining us in our weekly nerd fests. Sarah, you are amazing. Thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. Listeners, please, 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 when you have a moment and you love an episode, just go into whatever um, podcast app you are using and just give us a review, share it with your friends, get the word out so we can reach more dental nerds like ourselves. Thank you for having me. Till next time, keep disrupting. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episode you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.